Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box. I'm with my good friend, Ernie Dixon, physical therapist at Elite Physical Performance. Uh, Ernie, how's it going today? It's doing great. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad you're on the show. We've been talking about a few topics that, uh, well, for one, on the Common Sense MD, I think this past week we talked about uh, stability and, you know, uh-huh. the importance of having a strong core in terms of just uh, as we're as we age, aging gracefully. Right, sure. And and this is it, this kind of touches on this. You 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 want to talk a little bit about uh, perineal tendonitis. Right. So for the people out there who might be experiencing perineal uh, tendonitis, uh, but not sure that that's what it is. What is it in layman's terms? OK, it's um on the outside of the fibula or the outside of the lower leg, uh, you have a group of muscles called the perineals, and and there's really uh, two main muscle groups: it's the perineal longus and the perineal brevis. And on the model, I've got the, uh, the model of the foot. I don't know if you can see that, but the uh, the perineal muscles come off the uh, the lateral side of the uh, fibula up here, about mid calf, and they come down and they come around the fibula here, and the brevis inserts on this. On, on this fifth metatarsal, the longest comes underneath and it goes all the way to the uh, the big toe. Huh. And it's a, a lateral stabilizer of, of the foot ankle. And they also help us on, on push off. And non-weight bearing, they help point the foot down and point the foot out into eversion. Uh, but, you know, when we're standing on it, when we're weight bearing, you know, it acts more of, more of a lateral stabilizer of the foot ankle. So, you know, a lot of times the tendonitis is kind of an overuse of that muscle. So sometimes you'll see someone, they'll have a little ankle sprain or they have a history of, uh, of ankle sprains. And say they start uh, running and walking, then they start to have some pain in that outside of the ankle there. And it's usually where that tendon c- comes around the uh, fibula down here at the bottom where it makes that little junction right there. So Is that caused by... Uh, walking incorrectly maybe like in, in terms of like your push off you know because i i've actually done a little yeah. bit of research in terms yeah. of like how to push off in right. in, in, in the best way right could it be a uh could there be something wrong in your gait uh that would cause sure like that? sure you know, see a lot of times it has a biomechanical component to it um you know of course those muscles a lot of times if they're tight that shortens up the tendon so you get friction there at the fibula where it goes around that area sometimes you can have a weak muscle group there uh, too and because they stabilize and say you're doing some hiking or you're doing some running you're just starting and you just don't have the strength there when they fatigue then the muscle uh, tightens up it you know kind of goes into a little bit of a spasm and that pulls and then you get that friction there at the fibula Kind of the other thing that can happen if you have a history of ankle sprains, the ligaments, when you sprain your ankle on the outside, those ligaments, they heal, but they're never quite as strong as they were before. So you have to have extra good strength in those perineal muscles. And uh, two, if you're walking, say you're walking and you're walking on the roadway and the camber of the road is is sort of cambered off on one side, well, that makes you sort of roll to that side. So a lot of times that will cause it. So if you're, you know, say if you're walking against traffic and that side that is down tends to get overused because you're, you know, it kind of throws it at a neutral position. Or if a person is a little bit bow-legged, it's called um, a varus of the knee, then that puts, that makes that fibula kind of, kind of um, 
come down at, at a different angle hmm. and then that causes those tendons to, to have some friction when they come around there so is there any sort of preventative measure people can take you know because the 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 situations you're describing seem like everyday situations things sure. that we might not have a, a lot of control over is you know i know you're a big proponent of uh you know rolling out your feet or you know rolling on the right. foam roller uh-huh. well is there anything we can do in in order to deal with this sort of tendonitis sure on a day-to-day basis really um if someone is doing a stretching exercise program that usually helps a lot of times you know you know people will stretch their calf muscles mm. you know the gastroxoleus in the back and that's really good that sort of stretches out the achilles tendon and, and the calf muscles but that lateral muscle those perineals on the side a lot of times you know most people don't really stretch those so if you can stretch those that just kind of helps prevent that from happening because you like to have that flexibility in that muscle group uh and the other thing if you have a little bit of history of uh say ankle sprains or say you've um you know you know if you tend to supinate which which means the heel itself tends to want to come in a little bit then that kind of predisposes you a little bit to perineal tendonitis so if you have that type of foot or that type of biomechanics, it's a good idea to do some strengthening for those foot everters. So how do you <coughs> strengthen your foot, ever, if the foot everter? Is that like a, you know, some sort of ankle strength right, uh, right. exercises? Uh, you know, there's several ways to do it. You know, if you're injured or you have tendonitis, you, you know, you don't want to overload it because then you can make it worse. But, but you, know, you know, an easy way to do it is do isometrics. So you're trying to sort of turn the sole of your foot outward. So on the model here, you'd be trying to turn the foot out this way. And, of course, you just kind of push it against the wall there and you hold that. Um, so so you, you want – so if that's my – I'm going up a little bit? Yeah, you know, it's sort of like you're turning the foot out and then you – and. And then you apply a force against that, so you're pushing out against it. Okay. And you hold it maybe six seconds, and you could use some some therotubing. So you could put a little piece of therotubing on the wall, and then put your foot ankle in there, kind of put the tubing right here, and then work against the tubing this way to strengthen those perineals. The other way, which is functional, is to actually do some standing, some static. Um, you know, strengthening because that's how you use the muscle when you're walking and running. Mm. But you're going to stand on one leg there. You can use your hands to balance a little bit and maybe do a partial squat. And you're trying to keep your balance because that foot will want to kind of invert, evert back and forth. And those, those, uh, uh, the perineal muscles help stabilize. It. And that's a real good functional exercise. So um, are, are the perineal muscles a part of the foot or are they a part of the, the fibula? They're part of, of, of the uh, lower leg, that l- like the lateral part. So if, if you know, you know, if you can imagine the fibula here, this is the outer bone on the outside of the, the lower leg. This goes all the way up to your knee. Okay. So you have a joint here on the fibula. It's, it's called the inferior uh, tib-fib joint. You also have a joint up at the knee called the, uh, the superior tib-fib joint. So those joints sometimes get stiff in there, and, and that's another component is you can mobilize that. It's something you probably need to go see a physical therapist to kind of help you do it, you know, properly. But they can show you how to mobilize it yourself because a lot of times this gets a little stiff, and and if you don't get the uh, the normal motion there, then the tendon rubs over that little bony area. So that's another component. Um, it it's called joint mobilization. You can do the soft tissue stretches, but sometimes you need the joint mobilization to go with it. How how would you test for that? So. 
if you know someone were to come in and they they're pretty sure they have some sort of tendonitis and right. and you know if it's on the outside of sure. the place, it's probably a perineal right. uh, tendonitis. How would you test for it? Uh, is there like sort of strength test you do? Sure. Or? Well, it's kind of like an overall. You know, the first part you would just look and kind of um, you know palpate that tendon, like palpate it from the from the origin up here in the in, in, in the lateral calf and go all the way down and see if it's tender on the insertions there. Then you'd have them do active motion and see which motions hurt. Usually, if it's the perineal, it's going to hurt when you point the foot down and point the foot out. Mm. So that tells you there, okay, that's probably the perineal. Now, if you kind of pointed down and it hurt in the back, that would be more of the, of the gastroxoleus or the Achilles tendon. So... Would people confuse an Achilles an Achilles injury with this? Like, are, do they, do they kind of they're in very similar yeah. spots? Yeah, sometimes they do because you know the perineal sometimes will hurt on 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 this lateral border. Yeah. Sometimes it'll hurt right in here where it comes around the junction there, and you'll have that diffuse pain in there. And so it, you know you can kind of tell by just palpating the you know you know like the Achilles tendon, but also doing doing the manual muscle testing. So, you know, if you test those everters, because the Achilles doesn't do anything for the eversion of the foot. Okay. So you can kind of see by doing the active range of motion and doing the strength testing, and, um, and then you can uh, do the special test to see where you actually do some mobilization on that mm. to see if that causes any problems. What sort of, have you noticed <coughs> any sort of commonality between uh, people who are, are coming in for this sort of thing to see you? Is it... Are, are they are they runners heavy runners or uh -huh. uh, do they also have knee problems is there any sort of like uh, consistent thing you're seeing with with a patient who is struggling with perineal tendonitis it seems like the ones i see they usually have a history of some problems before you know you know you know say they're starting a walking program running program and they start off and then they they're doing pretty good and all of a sudden they start having problems they start having some pain but a lot of times it goes back to the biomechanics a little bit. It's like if they've got a little, you know, like a little bit of varus at the knee and they've got a little supination of, the, of this rear foot, uh, that sort of sets them up to have a tendency to have it more more frequent. What, what, it, do, what do those two words mean, the varus and the supination? Uh, the varus means it's kind of an outward bowing. Like if you've okay. ever seen one, you know, like if you see somebody that's bow-legged, yep. that's called varus. Okay. Which so, so you have a bowing out. And, of course, the fibula up here, uh, you know, that changes the angle up here when you have that. And that changes the angle on the pull down here. Okay. The same thing in supination, you know, you've heard of pronation. Pronation yep. is when we roll too far to the inside. Supination is when we're rolling this way. You know, you know some people, Got if it. you see them standing, it looks like they're kind of standing on the outside of their foot. Yep. Those, those folks are supinators. So the people that supinate, or they're a little bit more predisposed to have the perineal tendonitis. Well, does that have anything to do with walking pigeon-toed? No, it's you know it's kind of different. Usually that kind of you know could be more coming from the hip or from from the lower leg just turned in, but um, but but the supination occurs here at the subtalar joint right Interesting. in there. Interesting. In there, that's more where the supination part of it comes in. How, like. I'm kind of a big believer in uh, you need strong feet. Yeah. And and I feel like that's, I mean, we're talking about very small muscles here sure. and small bones. You know, how do you coach people to strengthen up their feet out of curiosity? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like you have to isolate those muscles. And it seems kind of, 
you know, at first it seems kind of silly, but you've got the intrinsic muscles in the feet, like the, like the toe flexors and the toe extensors, and then you've got the muscles that tend to stabilize this inner arch in here. You know, you've got the plantar fascia in here. So all, all of those things give that foot support, because if you think about the bones in the foot, the bones in the foot are all pretty small compared to our other bones, like our femur is a big, long bone, mm -hmm. our tibia is a long bone, uh, but our feet, they absorb all the shock, and they're all small, you know, small bones. So the muscles, the intrinsic muscles, and the muscles that go around the foot ankle have to be pretty strong, and plus they have to be pretty pliable because you've got to, you know, the foot's got to be able to pronate enough to push off of, and uh, so that foot has to be stable enough, but it also has to be flexible. So it's kind of a balancing point. And then if you, you know, if you're a little bit one way or the other, it kind of predisposes you to have some of those issues, some of those overuse. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. Like I, I feel like it's hard to, un it's hard to like picture what a foot exercise would be, um, other than I know walking barefoot is a right. is a decent one. I know. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, I guess toe raises and maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, <coughs> What do you call it when you're kind of strengthening your, your calves? Right, right. Like a, I guess or it's like a you're doing toe raises. Yeah, yeah. You know, as far as the perineals, the probably the thing to stretch them, it's almost the same position as you're doing a calf stretches for the Achilles. But but what you're doing is you're you're inverting the foot. You're, oh. you're you're turning the foot in, and then you're leaning forward and you're bending the knee and you're trying to isolate the stretch. I'll usually feel a stretch right in this area right in here. Mm. So that's the way you can stretch them. But now if it's kind of flared up, if you overstretch it, you can kind of get into trouble with it. So you don't want to overstretch it. You can, you know, if it's really irritated, it's better to stretch it non-weight-bearing because sometimes the weight-bearing is just too much stress on it. But the exercises for it really like doing some, some standing, some static dynamic um, type of uh, strengthening where you're trying to balance on that foot. Mm. You know, you're trying to do some uh, head turns, you know, even close your eyes, try to, try to use that you know you know you know take away your visual system to s challenge those muscles in the in the foot ankle what does that um, do the he the head turn so when you take away the visual aspect of it does it uh, that's got to have some sort of brain component sure, to it sure uh, it's kind of like our balance you know like our balance is kind of composed of of several things one of the things you know like our vision you know you know like if you're standing on one leg and you're looking out and you close your eyes you'll notice you really have have a lot more trouble trying to maintain your balance because the vision tells your brain where your body is in space. So if you lose the vision, it's just like if you get up in the middle of the night and it's dark, you kind of stumble around a little bit because you don't have the visual to give you the cues to balance yourself. So, Interesting. So it's the same thing, um, you know, with the foot ankle, you're, in, you know, like the balance part of it, there's proprioceptors in your foot ankle that tells your brain where your foot is. So a lot of times people that have the tendonitis is they don't have good proprioception so as you kind of progress their strengthening you have them standing on that foot and then you can sort of add head turns when you turn your head that changes you know you know your eyes are moving so you've got to got to make up I mean your foot's got to stabilize itself but if you ever try it just try standing on one leg and look out and then turn your head you'll notice you have to really use your balance a lot more you'll feel those muscles in your foot ankle kick in Oh, so what that does is it throws you off balance, and because it throws you off balance, you have to activate those muscles in your in your uh, your proprials, pro, uh, uh, the perineals, the, in the perineals, yeah. 
and really almost uh, i think of it like really ground you know well i think what too you know it challenges your vestibular system you know like your equilibrium Mm because your inner ear you you know you know that's where you and your cerebellum in the brain those things all are kind of interconnected as far as your balance so you know your foot's telling your brain where your body is in space so when you're moving your head and in your eyes your vision's changing so you're having to kind of you know your body's trying to stabilize yourself it's more of a challenge for it so that's so you can incorporate you know you can incorporate that in your exercises you can start to do head turns you can do um, you know close your eyes and do head turns that's even really hard but you know have something stable that you can support yourself but you're working on your balance and your equilibrium uh, but you're also working on the strengthening part and the foot ankle that's a big you know you know like that's a big proponent because when you're running you're not really looking down at your feet you're expecting your foot to hit the ground and your foot sort of senses if the ground's even or not it's just like if you walk across a yard at night and you can't see the yard and it's real lumpy it's easy to turn your ankle very because you don't and part of it's because you don't have the vision to see wh- that it's lumpy and then the other thing it's you know your foot rolls before you know it's rolling out there but that's the proprioception there's little joint receptors in there but but those joint receptors kind of interact with the central nervous system and then the muscles are are kind of tied in on that so you can kind of incorporate them both that's um, really interesting is there any any exercises you yourself are doing to to help with <coughs> kind of that foot ankle strength adding in the proprioception yeah a lot of times i will do some things like you know if i'm just sitting in a chair you can do isometrics that way nobody even knows you're doing them hmm. you know you can sit there and just put your other foot that's i don't know if you can see on the camera but i'm just crossing here and i'm pushing into my foot like that but so, so it's an isometric you're not really getting any movement you're trying to push your foot into uh you know more like the wall or something that's immobile um, and then you can get some therapy and just tie it around a table leg and, and sit there and do some eversion strengthening where you're turning the sole of the foot out mm. with with the resistance but the most functional thing is actually just do some standing do some one leg standing and uh, stand up good and tall and you can do a, maybe a partial squat see if you can maintain your balance and you'll feel your foot ankle really work but those those perineals you'll feel that foot really trying to stabilize itself now i don't want you to lie to the audience <laughs> because i i've seen you do this you don't do it on the ground you do the one leggeds on the 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 half bosu balls yeah yeah <laughs> and actually see if you add some foam on there it yeah. makes it more unstable or just put a pill on the floor and do it and that really makes you use those perineals. That, a pillow? I haven't thought yeah, about that. Yeah, the pillow is really practical. You can do that, and and it's amazing how much you use those perineals on that. H- how far how far down are you going in this one-legged squat? Uh, Just a partial, maybe about 25, 30 degrees. You don't have okay. to go real deep. Okay. And and the thing is, when you start, have something you can hang on to that's stable, like a table or something that's not going to roll on you. But but really, you can do those, and, and it sounds easy. It sounds too easy, but when you do them, you'll notice – it's pretty tough. Um, and I will say, guys, if you do do this, you know, make sure you do have something to hold on to. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't want to fall. <laughs> you don't want to fall. But and, and the other thing, too, if you really have tendonitis that's fairly flared up, you don't really want to be doing those things right off the bat. You want to be icing it, trying to get it under control. The other thing you can do if it's really bothering you in those early stages, of course, ice is kind of the thing that really helps. You can do that three or four times a day because uh, it acts as an anti-inflammatory but you can also use some KT tape 
the KT tape really helps with the proprioception part of it and helps those muscles fire. You can do some soft tissue, you can do some trigger point releases up in the perineal muscle, mm. and that keeps that muscle from, from spasming in there and drawing up tighter. Um, you know, you can even do some dry needling. You know, I do dry needling in that area, and, and what you're doing is dry needling trigger point areas, and that relaxes that muscle and takes the tension off the tendon where it inserts. So you can do a little bit of everything, but the key to it, though, is, is getting it early, you know, because if you let it go for months and months and months, sometimes you get a tendinopathy, mm. and that's different than tendinitis. You know, I have to ask you, what's the <laughs> difference? Because, I like, what is a tendinopathy? I've never well, heard the, that. Or it's like, you know, when you first start having some issues, you know, the tendon is inflamed, and that's tendinitis. But okay. say, say you've had tendinitis for six months, and you run on it or walk on it, and it flares up, and it gets a little better, and you, and, and you ice it, and you go back out, and, you, and it flares up again. Well, every time it flares up a little bit, your body is trying to heal that, that area, so you get a little bit of scarring in there. So the blood flow to that tendon sort of gets compromised over time. So... So, so that tendon starts to be, you know, you know, you know, it doesn't really heal itself because you're not getting the blood flow in there because it's been a chronic tendonitis. Now, now the tendon starts to degenerate, and that's not good because then the tendon, you know, you know, you know, it's not healing itself. It's actually getting worse. Huh. But it's usually when you've had chronic tendonitis for a long time and didn't treat it, then you get a tendinopathy, and that takes a lot longer. And and a lot of times, you know, that's a tough thing to get. So the key is, you know, when you first get it, get some early treatment and just, you know, like come in and see a PT and, yeah. and we can evaluate you and, and get you started. Uh, but a lot of times people will wait a year or something. They'll say, well, I've had this for a year and it just keeps coming back and forth. And they finally come in, and but then, you know, they've had some scar tissue laid down and that blood flow to the tendon is not real good. And it's actually trying to degenerate a little bit. So that's what a tendinopathy that's super fascinating, and I think that's part of the the purpose of this episode here uh-huh. is just to to let everybody know what perineal tendonitis uh-huh. is. Yeah. So that if you have you know pain like that, you can start to to work on that and not let it get to a tendinopathy uh-huh. situation. So Ernie, I appreciate you explaining uh-huh. this and like talking us through perineal tendonitis. Uh-huh. I hope that helped. You know, it's kind of a tough thing to explain sometimes i hope i explained it you did where oh, it went too it was perfect <laughs> it was so. perfect and, uh-huh. and i really do appreciate it and i love this model guys uh if you watch on youtube you got a ton of value out of that watching the uh ernie uh with the with the foot model here <laughs> if you're on the podcast check out the youtube uh of this video but ernie man i appreciate you coming uh, on the show thanks so much man i enjoyed it thank you so much Guys, as always, thank you all for hanging out with us today. I've been with Ernie Dixon explaining, or he's been explaining, perineal tendonitis. I'm your host, Ben Rogers. As always, we'll see you guys next time. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.